0: These are the tribulations of Paulette. A girl just can't get a break around here. Riding bareback with the intruder, one steeple jump away from the bliss that has eluded me all day, the phone rings after hours. It's Ted with some bad news. Our high school friend Steve McDonald is dead. Steve suffered from restless leg syndrome, and in a freak accident, he scissor kicked a glass of water on his nightstand. As he reached to rescue his ancient clock radio, zap, no more restless legs for poor Steve. The unmarried and childless Steve will be waked tomorrow in our hometown, an hour's ride from Boston. Ted is taking the train up from New York and would like me to pick him up in Providence. Can't you just rent a car, I inquire, feeling somewhat ambivalent about being alone with him after our aborted kiss at the Four Seasons. Ted pleads his phobia of wakes and all things death. He trumps my reluctance by reminding me of his own recent brush, with the grim reaper. I agree to meet his noon train and hang up expeditiously to get back to the task at hand. Flush with excitement at seeing Ted in just 12 hours, I spur on the intruder, but unbidden images of Steve's open casket crowd my head. This is a fruitless ride. I rein in the intruder, stable him in a shoe bag, and return to the anniversary bed and Dave's somnolent grunting. The next morning, rides, sitters, and general coverage must be obtained for my three children. Should I soon encounter the angel of death myself, I suggest the kids are all set as my epitaph. As I'm rifling through my wardrobe to locate a suitably mournful outfit, my English friend Biscuit phones. Darling, you won't believe it, she intones, but I've managed to score six tickets to the Stones concert at Gillette. Biscuit has a college buddy who is the Stones' new business manager, so I pay heed. Backstage passes, drinks with the band, after with the whole deal. Let's ask Dolly, too. Are you in? she asks. Am I in? Is there a more perfect throne for a concupiscent gal with a fixation on the 70s than the third row of a Stones concert? Maybe I'll get to match wits with Mick, like the intruder I'm in. Pumped, full of coffee, and sporting no discernible cleavage that could give Ted the wrong idea, I back out of my driveway at 10.30 a.m., allowing plenty of time to get to Providence. At the first red light, I pull down the visor to check the effect of the crest white strips on my teeth. The teeth look fine, but when in hell did I get a mustache? I can't meet Ted like this. I call Rosemary, my Russian esthetician, and inform her that I'm coming over for an impromptu wax. Rosemary was fired from Elizabeth Grady because customers complained that she was too rough. In my opinion, a gal who digs out ingrown toenails and removes female mustaches can't be nasty enough. I'm happy to visit Rosemary at her home salon. She's in a bad mood as usual, but opens her door when I show up. Although the bruising from the lane shots has gone away overnight, my cheeks still smart from the needle jabs. Maybe not the best time for a depilatory, but this is an emergency. Rosemary's flinty expression quickly turns to pity as she whips off the wax strips. She hands me a mirror. Oh no, the contusions of the day before have returned, newly augmented. Rosemary bags me some ice and I get back on the road. An hour later, my wounds iced to oblivion, Ted hops into the front seat of my car. He's dressed like he stepped out of a catalog, sporting Paul Smith sunglasses. Hi, he says, and before I have time to reply, he grabs my face and gives me a big kiss on the lips. This time, the jolt I feel comes from my own heart. Drive, he says, as he fumbles in his pocket. Want one, he asks, holding up his vape pen. I demure owing to the hour of the day. Ted takes three huge tokes, then launches into a coughing frenzy. My hands clench the steering wheel uneasily, hoping that he won't keel over on me again, but he recovers. We have two hours to kill, so we head over to Federal Hill for lunch. Ted chooses a shadowy Italian restaurant, the perfect hideout for a gorgeous day. The only other three customers cluster at the bar. We order wine, which we gulp, and food, and as we start to relax in each other's company, I think, gosh! Ted's so easy to talk to and so incredibly well-read. I've really been missing this kind of meaningful conversation with a man. He's up to date on his New Yorkers and not just the caption contest, which is as far as Dave gets. Ted confesses that he's been thinking about me a lot since our day at the Four Seasons. My tired old clock resuscitated from middle age ticks vigorously. As he leans forward and reaches under the table to, God forbid, put his hand on my knee, our waiter materializes with the check. Looking into my face earnestly, Ted's eyebrows arch and I brace myself, awaiting the big question he seems poised to ask. Can I do this? What if he wants to go to a hotel? My heart pounds. Holding up the tab to me, he says, shall we split it? So as I'm imagining myself in another hotel embrace, he's calculating half the 15% tip in his head. Normally, I pull no punches, but infatuation has thrown me off. Instead of calling him on this, I murmur meekly, Oh, okay. As I give my credit card to the waiter, my uncustomary restraint gains instant gratification as Ted does indeed put his hand on my knee. I forgive him instantly. Let's go for a little ride before the wake, he suggests. Ted gets behind the wheel of my car when I plead too tipsy to drive. Several miles later, we pull off a country road in our hometown and drive down a dirt path to a small estuary Familiar to us both as our former high school parking spot. He pulls out a pouch from his pocket and fills the vape pen. We wonder in unison if young lovers still come here like we did so many years before. We each take a few puffs. Then, without further ado, Ted pulls me to him and starts to kiss me like I haven't been kissed in centuries. Everything congeals at once. This is it, the substance of life. To be kissed, to feel 18 again. Damn the hormones, damn Dave, damn everything. This is what I've been missing. Lost in our kiss, a rapping noise deep below the surface gradually becomes louder and more clear. I open my eyes and look past Ted into someone's blue torso, complete with handcuffs on one side and a revolver on the other. Ted lowers his window. Is everyone here by choice? Asks one of our hometown's finest as he leans into the car. He evidently doesn't like what he sees. Sir, please step out of the vehicle. As Ted mutters, oh boy, I notice the vape pen and pouch on my lap, sticking out like a sore thumb. And I hope that the cop won't notice Ted's lap, which sports its own sore thumb. The light outside is growing dim, and I am going home. Music for this podcast is written and performed by Eric Fontana. Each day, and now my work is done. Next time the officer is a gentleman. Till then, ta-ta. You with all your